Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody, disgusting network. The passage of time will now bring you to something strange, unique, and idiosyncratic. Have a good time. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too, and I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast. I'm your host, Michael Rose Red Rothman, and because it's been a couple of months, we're placing our rose-tinted lenses on our nightstands and tossing on our wayfarers. It's time to jet set over to California, where that spring sun is looking down upon us like the cast of Mick Garris' The Stand, and that ocean breeze is waking us up like a can of Nazala. Yes, there are other worlds than these. No argument there, Uncle Steve. But you know, <laughs> I know, and my fellow co-hosts know, there's only one Hollywood King, baby. And let's meet those co-hosts now. Joining me here on King Avenue, only two blocks away from the cool Capitol Records building where Mike Love's Beach Boys brought us the hits, are your favorite voices in King's Dominion, not named Larry Underwood. First up. They don't call him the rocker for nothing. He's the bee's <laughs> knees to the cat's meow, the kung pow to the dog chow, the six string with the big swing. Rockin' Randall, say hello and tell us your favorite Hollywood haunt. Oh! Oh, shit. Step aside, Wolfman Mac. We've got uh, Wolfman Randall Van Halen here. And my favorite <laughs> Hollywood haunt, it's, uh, uh, what is it, Poop's Coffee House or whatever? What is that viral video of Jack Nicholson? Have you seen that where he's like, oh, I went, like, we, oh, we went all to, we all could, could sort it poops. Yeah, Poop's, poops <laughs> Tea Diner. House or something. Poopsies. Man. Poopsies. Poopsies. Yeah, Poopsies. Like, oh. So Poopsies is easily my favorite because that's where uh, Hollywood Jack, uh, the biggest Lakers fan this side of uh, the Mississippi, uh, would hang out. So so yeah, um, that's my Hollywood haunt. This is Rockin' Randall. So happy to be here. And uh, I'm excited to talk news because, man, do we have a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. And, you know, I, I got to stop by Poops later also because I'm, uh, I'm excited to hopefully see not only Jack Nicholson, but my old pal Jack Palance. Uh, they say he haunts those, uh, you know, haunts that haunt. Um, push-ups, right? There. I, I want to see him do push-ups, and I want to ask him a little bit about uh, Curly's gold. You know, what was he thinking? Uh, all right, but next up, he's the tallest of the club and certainly no schlub. He hates the Lakers, but loves L.A. Confidential, that is. Little Justo, say hello and tell us what Hollywood star you're standing on over there. Hey, uh, well, this is Justin Juniper Hill Gerber, and I'll tell you what, to, to quote the poet laureate Rob Thomas, it's a hot one. Ooh, topped shit. off at 100 degrees today, going to top off at 98 tomorrow. And Mike, you guys should cut out there when you, you, you want me to answer a question for you. What was the question? Yeah, what Hollywood star are you uh, currently standing on right now? Well, actually, I'm currently standing on the, the grave of the great Harvey Corman. Of oh, course, wow. Harvey Corman, star of Blazing Saddles, the Carol Burnett show for years and years. And uh, he's, he, was a, he was one of these guys who would always break on the Carol Burnett show when Tim Conway would, would make jokes. But so he, he was the Jimmy Fallon? Oh. I would, say, I would say no, because I think Harvey Corman had a presence to him, you know? Um, <laughs> he wasn't this vapid entertainer that was just thrown at 11.30 p.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time, of course. <laughs> Meow. 
Um, Justin, you're uh, you're so you hate the Lakers. What thoughts on HBO's winning time? You know, Randall, this is an extremely disappointing program for me. If we keep keep <laughs> raking the coals here, yeah. You know, if maybe if Adam McKay didn't insist upon being Adam McKay and and realize that there was actually a compelling story here, I would continue to watch it. But uh, I I had to stop after the first episode. I didn't like the fourth Whoa! wall breaking. I didn't like the uh, the in your face obvious takes that are being presented in actual word format. I stopped watching because I assumed you'd keep watching and tell me if it was worth watching. Well, I actually hear it gets pretty good in episode four, but then I did some investigation and guess what? Guess what's still going on? Break time out. Wall. Looks like we got a conundrum here, yeah. folks. Oh, time uh, out. I've got AIDS. It's like, that's not uh, funny. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. We all know it. that not Zach funny. Morris perfected the art of fourth wall breaking. Yeah, did. It's did. all downhill since then. It you know, I, I began and ended with Zach Morris. I lasted yeah. about 10 minutes in winning time, and I what can I say? I love that era, too. So, uh, you yep. know, it was losing time for me. Um, <laughs> speaking of losing, we got another loser. Uh, last, but certainly not least, bringing that Nashville heat is our own fire starter. Jen, pass me that suntan lotion and tell us your favorite Hollywood horror story. Ah, uh, this is Jen. Firestarter comes out in five weeks from tomorrow, God, I believe. Geez. Adams, and I'm going to die waiting for it. My favorite Hollywood horror story is Winky's Diner. I like to hang out behind the dumpster yes. around there, and sometimes there's a lurker that scares the shit out of me. It's true. So you, I, it's so funny, Jen. I thought you were gonna be like, "Well, I am the the person behind the dumpster." <laughs> I, okay, that jumps out, I was but then you're like, "No, I share that space with them." Right. Okay. Well, if you had phrased it like my favorite haunt, I was gonna just say, "Yeah, I l- just love hanging out by the dumpster back there, just covered in mud," you know. But you gotta, you gotta roll with the punches, you know. Yes, for the first time, I saw it recently, so Oof, now I'm man. an expert on all things Lynch. Hot you take. Check it out. Uh, hot take. On a psychoanalysis. Um, That's my right. hot take. Here. Yeah, yeah. Part one drop today. My hot take: five bright red Pennywise clown noses out of five. Mm. For Mulholland Drive? <laughs> yeah, think, you, yeah, you might be the only one who likes that movie, Justin. Yeah, you know, just I, me, I, I, me and me alone. I'm afraid to put, put the feelings out there. Well, if you go to if you go to Randall's MySpace profile, it says favorite movie, Mulholland Drive. So, um, oh, that's, you know. I think back when I had a MySpace profile, my favorite movie was like, I don't know, Magnolia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. No, I think my, that was my, Caffrey's. I think my MySpace profile is probably like Paul Haggis's Crash or something like that. Back oh, like, oh, God. Shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you put like the years, even though it is that year, like two thousand five. <laughs> like, parentheses. Never forget. It was like don't don't be, don't confuse Haggis with that hack David Cronenberg. David Cronenberg. <laughs> hey, hey. Speaking of Cronenberg, we're gonna be talking about him soon. Yes, uh, we will. If you were a subscriber to the Losers Club in two weeks, David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone. Get there. Uh, but right now we got some place to go. It's an old tradition, but before we talk strictly Hollywood, we got to dish on a few needful tweets. <laughs> He's not a human being. Don't you see what he's done? We kill them all. Let God sort them out. All right, Mike, you want me to kick this off? Yeah, why don't you kick it off? Let's kick it off. Okay, uh, we are going to talk about a few notable tweets that came through. If you are a, if you are a subscriber to the Losers Club, a Patreon member, we have a newsletter we send out every month that has uh, notable tweets, uh, some commentary on them, as well as some news. This is where we elaborate on those thoughts. And one of them is uh, a King tweet from March 18th. He said, thinking of the best concerts I've seen in my life. He says, Stones, ACDC, 
Dylan Spoonful. He says, mm-hmm. John Sebastian playing a harpist chord. Uh, Baez, Simon, Rancid, Alan Jackson, Seeger, Moon Martin, and of course, Springsteen. Um, can I be honest? I've what? never heard of Spoonful, and I've never heard It's the of... Love and Spoonful. It's Love and Spoonful. So you've heard it from one of your favorite movies, Die Hard with a Vengeance. So they, uh, oh, okay. The then title. There you mm-hmm. go. I love that song. And yeah. then uh, Moon Martin. Tell me who that is. No idea. Moon Martin. M-O-O-N. That's Moon? Moon Martin. <laughs> Oh, it is true. Yeah, it's the you know the was the guy from uh, Coach. Wait, he, yeah. Rothman, oh yeah, Dahmer. Rothman, yeah, you might be onto something, Rothman, yeah. because uh, you said Moon Martin, and Dean Martin did sing Dean. when the moon, the moon hits your eye. Is that oh, what he's talking yeah. about? Oh, it could be. You know, let's let me, see if let me Jerry this. Lewis called him Moon Martin at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, Moon Martin was an actual American singer-writer. He was John David Moon Martin. American singer, songwriter, and guitarist. He was given the name Moon because of many of his songs had the word Moon in his lyrics. Well, that makes sense. He Let's was born on Halloween. Say, instead of assuming that Moon Martin was somebody we just never heard of, we assumed <laughs> it was a nickname for Dean Martin <laughs> yeah. because he's saying. Well, first of all, Randall, once Mike said John David Moon Martin, I thought, did this guy kill a president at some point? That sounds like <laughs> an assassin's name. It does sound like an assassin's <laughs> name. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to see, you know, what songs he. I guess. He has a lot of moon songs, but he also has a lot of, uh, yeah, it doesn't, I don't really know. I guess Cadillac Walk. It was made famous oh, I'm, by I've Robert got it right That here. sounds like a song King would oh, make up. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got yeah, one. I got me. this. Guess what? What? He's, uh, he's an important, important singer songwriter to us because, uh, as we know, one of our favorite Hollywood icons, Lights Camera Jackson, uh, in one of his episodes, uh, oh, referenced this song. Oh, he's Dr. Doctor, Give Me the News? Yes. Oh, He, wow. he wrote the song. Which was made famous by Robert Palmer. Yeah. Wow. So, so uh, anyway, yeah. Well, rest in peace to Moon Martin. Rest in peace to Robert Palmer. So, yeah. do you guys think that any of these concerts happened, that he saw any of these concerts before he got famous, or are they all sort of like backstage pass king? I, know, I, I that's don't what I keep wondering. Well, I'm, Some I'm assuming. Some of them had to be. Well, Rancid's well, yeah, I'm definitely. Sure so, I'm sure most of them were. Yeah. But I'd like to think I like to think of King like in the nosebleeds, like when he was young, like watching Paul Simon or something. Right. Well, I'm looking at this. It's possible he had tickets for the Stones. Maybe he saw like a a festival with Joan Baez. Yeah. But everybody else would have been pretty much famous, except for love. Well, you know, Love and Spoonful. He probably did see them when he was younger. I'm I would. I would think so. Yeah. And there's like famous king and like super household name famous backstage pass wherever yeah. you go, king. You know, so some of these could have been like people around him might have recognized him, but he wouldn't necessarily have had the clout to like you know get front row or backstage you know well i'll say this too in our newsletter i linked to a photo of king watching rancid Mm -hmm. there is a photo that exists Mm -hmm. of him in the crowd i believe it was at like a main festival or something like that and there is a photo of king just like vibing out during (laughs) rancid which is pretty cool that's obviously the most modern band on this list um we should try to get tim uh, armstrong on i feel like i feel like he probably you know he might maybe he's a king fan you know that would be what if he's just like he's like king sucks i told him to leave my show he wouldn't fucking leave um (laughs) no old people yeah (laughs) no he's like that a lot of my shows It's like that crusty author just fucking tried to like start mosh pits, like went on our slow songs, like like Rancid has slow songs. I don't even think he they doesn't do, even but... have a mohawk. Yeah, um, fuck, fuck him. So best con, I guess like you know, think of the best concerts. What are your best concerts, uh, Jen? Best concerts you've ever seen? Uh, Jagged Little Pill. Oh, wait, really? Oh, you yeah. saw that? It Holy was awesome. Shit. Yes, uh, I'm so dying good. to see her. Like she's been touring again for the. I guess 
I guess she's making up for the, the fact that she couldn't tour for the 25th anniversary. So yeah. she's been yeah. making the festival rounds and I'm, I'm hoping that she's at Riot Fest. Was it good? Was it like... It was uh, amazing. And it was the first run of the album too. So I was like uh, a freshman in high school, I think. Yeah. Saw it at Starwood Amphitheater, RIP, which is like a Nashville landmark. And uh, it was it was incredible. So, yeah. I would, Very cool. I, I would have killed to hear her saying like, you learn. That, that uh-huh. was my favorite track off that album, I feel like. Even more than You Ought to Know, I, I think. But um, Yeah, I like that one too. Head over yeah. feet, I like So questionable oh, basketball skills in that, in that video, but... Um, that is true. <laughs> good that song. is true. <laughs> Justo, <laughs> some best concerts. Um, oh, you know what? I'll say this. I swear I'm not one of these grotesque people who are kind of latching onto somebody who's died recently, but I, I will say, I think, Rothman, you'll agree. Yeah. Seeing Foo Fighters... At the Fighters. Metro, at kind of the peak of their powers 10 years ago at that, that, that last second uh, Lala after show was a and real The Metro is a relative, it's like a mid sized venue. So yes. you're seeing the Foo Fighters in a much smaller venue than you usually would. Not an arena, not at a festival, not at a stadium. They were about 10 feet away from us. Yeah, um, it was we were up pretty late wild. that night. They played, the, their, their, in our, I think, in my opinion, their, I think Mike's opinion too, their last really good album, Wasting yep. Light. And then they played their greatest hits. And it was I just, forgot they did that amazing. the full album beforehand. Yeah. They did the whole thing. God, that was great. Great yeah, night. Was, we were tired. It was, it yeah. was, it was, that was like one of the most exhausting nights ever because it was right after Lala. And so we had been standing all day and oh, yeah. then we had to wait for like an hour and a half, I think. I think at one point, like, Caffrey went across the street and got like hot dogs or something. I was like, dude, you're <laughs> risking it. I was like, you are risking it, buddy. Like, would uh, you, um, what band of on King's list of concerts would you compare Foo Fighters to? Like who? Like of them, who is who is the Foo Fighters of Kings? There, I think ACDC would probably be the equivalent. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Too. Yeah, yeah. Rock either and that or Moon Martin. Bones. You know, Moon Martin. Obviously, I mean, yeah, it goes right. without saying. Yeah. But other than Moon Martin, yeah, um, <laughs> it was definitely Moon Martin. I, that that actually was going to be my choice because I, you know, the Foo Fighters take me to the moon every time I see them. So um. yeah, I saw them at Ryman, which was great. That's where I saw King too. Yeah. Oh really? Oh yeah. yeah. I, I I could see. I feel like I've probably typed out like Foo Fighters tour dates Ryman like in my that's head. a great that's not that's not a huge venue either it's a great venue it's not yeah it's, it's really venue. great mm-hmm. yeah Mike your concerts honestly it's I mean the Foo Fighters was great and that was my favorite until finally um my boys the replacements were reunited and I when I've been waiting forever that was my like white whale oh. concert to go to and <laughs> this is so, a good story <laughs> so when it uh when it finally happened um I I, I rushed to get my passport because their first show is going to be in Toronto. And, uh, and I, I like booked the trip, everything. And I had to pay like $400 extra to expedite the passport and everything. And, um, and then we went and, uh, or I went alone and I went then, you know, I got there a day early. So it was like the longest day ever. And I got to riot fest cause that's where they're headlining. And I got there really early so I could get right in the front row. I was like holding, I was like literally clutching the, uh, the railing and they were taking a while to get on stage. And, I was te- texting everyone on the text thread and Justin was like, Oh, did you see the news? Um, uh, Paul canceled. He pulled out and my phone went like, not didn't go dead, but the reception went dead because everyone was texting. And so I was waiting there for five minutes being like, did I just fucking pay all this money to come up here? And it's, and that's like Paul Westerberg's the type of person that would do that. And so I was like sitting there for a good five minutes being like, Oh my God, is it canceled? And then what do I do? And then like, do I say something to anyone? And then finally, you know, the lights went down, they came out and they played Tech and Ride. But like, it was, it was the best show ever. But those five minutes, I was just sitting there like in an existential dread, just being like, 
if it gets canceled, this might be the, one of the worst trips I've ever taken in my life. Like, uh, but it didn't, and it turned out to be great. And I saw him like, I think like six or seven times on that tour. That was great. But the real one that, that, that did it for me was when we all went up to Minneapolis and, oh, um, yeah. and they played, um, you know, unsatisfied and you could just see like Paul crying. I think he had just gotten a divorce and it was, it was really emotional and like hold steady open. It was the best shows of my life. Like they were just, just, just phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah, I went to a number of, of those you mentioned and, uh, yeah. those were pretty surreal just to be there at all. You know, that was one of those shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, I've yeah. got a hand, I've got a few, I'll say, I saw Tom Waits play the Detroit opera house, Jesus. uh, probably back in 2004, maybe somewhere around there. And that was really cool because he's kind of just like a Greek God in a fedora, you know, he's, mm-hmm. he's, he, he's larger than life. And, and I, I will always say it was the most diverse crowd I've ever seen anywhere. It was, you know, it spanned ages, it spanned class, it spanned, spanned race. I saw, I saw everybody fucking there. Like it, it was, it was not the kind of show where you go and you see a bunch of hipsters, you know, it was, it was like this is music that touches so many different people. And, uh, and one of the funniest things I've ever seen, which was this like trucker guy who was sitting in front of me, he had a, you know, he's a big, he was a big boy, like big boy season. And he was rocking out. And then he had his wife and his son with him and they were like also there. And I could tell they fucking hated it. They were having the worst time and he knew every word to every song and was rocking out. And then like halfway through, I could see like his wife talking to him and then she, her and the, the boy left. And he was just like, bye bye, <laughs> you know, and he like kept rocking out. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, King, like this is your night. Wait, was this it Stephen King? Night. Oh my God. It was Stephen King, yeah. <laughs> oh so uh, it was Tabby and, and uh, Baby Owen. So, um, and they had like a, they had like a book of Eli hat. And by Baby Owen, you know? he was probably like 22 years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I was going to say, because I keep so, thinking of Owen as like the youngest, really, really young, but he's really not. Like he was born in like what, the 80s, I think, or early Oh, he's going to be probably 40, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And then um, I would say I, I, you know, I go to a lot of shows, but um, I'd say uh, there's two others that I think would stand out to me. One was Swans, the band Swans, uh, only because I'm not a huge fan of their records, but seeing them live is such an experience because they're so goddamn loud uh, to quote um, Huey Lewis and Back to the Future. You're too darn loud, but they're not too (laughs) darn loud. They're pretty great. And it's it's one of those shows that like rattles through your bones. And so I try to see them whenever they come through town because it's kind of uh, it's invigorating. When I saw them at the the Chicago venue Talia Hall, which had recently been remodeled, they were one of the first shows in there um, after reopened literally chunks of the ceiling were falling on my head because that's how loud they were it was amazing uh and then the last one i'll say is the the ambient group stars of the lid uh they never tore uh they're pretty they've been broken up for many many years i mean broken up as in defunct and they're working on other projects but uh they played a, a venue called lincoln hall in chicago that was incredible and but the thing that especially made it special was my wife and i had like weirdly been hanging out with this um with this couple all day that i was gonna do a business venture with that never happened but uh but they they were from bulgaria and they got us drunk on like bulgarian wine and and then we smoked a lot of weed and then they drove us to the show and it was one of the most like i was i've never been in that space of weird intoxication before and pairing that with ambient music it was very cool so one of a kind show i stand by it it was excellent uh, let's move on to the next tweet. 
Well, Jen, why don't you take the next one? Because uh, I think, as you learned, uh, constant listeners, we're a couple. Rock and Randall's not the only rocker. We all we all love music, but we also love film. <laughs> That's Jen, true. Take, yeah, take the next tweet. All right. So Stephen King tweets: X is an extremely good horror movie. Scary, smart, knowing. Oh, and entertaining. <laughs> Did you get to see uh, X, Jen? I haven't seen X now. Why have I not? Zine. Oh. I think you'd like it a lot, John. <laughs> I know. Not why. I, I'm dying to get to this. Yes, thank you, Justin. That was my little alphabet joke. Hey, it's a uh, you know ding. not to go back to music, but that's a uh, you know Coldplay X and Y. Remember that album? Oh yeah. Uh, I like the I secret. I like the secret track on that album. Yeah, it's uh, not that album. Come. It's used on yeah. the Shield in season five. Mm. Oh. I haven't seen X yet. I've heard so many people tell me that it is my jam and that I would love it, and I just. Can't. I'm going to see the Northmen like in a week or two, and so I might just Jealous. do a double feature. Yeah, I know. Excited for those abs. Well, we won't How spoil long is too the much. Northman, by the way, well, it's probably going to be like what three hours. Well, these other movies are pretty short though, so maybe this will this won't be, this will be like ninety minutes. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh God, that'd be great. Look I mean, it up. <laughs> uh, to be fair though, <laughs> look it up. Yeah. All right. Actually, it's two hours and twenty minutes. You're gonna go see two it now? hours and twenty minutes. Why? Yeah. Too because long. It's, like one of, it's like one of those historical epics, so it's got to be like, you know, it's got to be fucking long or whatever. Right. There are so many hot people great. in that movie. Make it five hours. There yeah. is. Yeah. You are right. It's a lot of five hot people. Five hours of like ice. What is the shortest penis? historical epic, though? Like, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I guess. How long's Troy? Troy's probably short. Yeah, oh, that's the probably Vikings about 80 minutes. didn't really exist, Mike. That's the difference. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> um, this is you. I watched yeah. the TV show Vikings. Uh, but their ghosts are totally real. That's true. That is true. The Vikings ghosts are, they're dangerous too. Um, They're like, we were the first explorers. Um, I mean, the Vikings game is three hours. You want me to see these Vikings for 220? I can't do on top of everything else. Were you a fan of the Minnesota Vikings when Brett Favre uh, decided to go there and, uh, you know, reveal his penis to. I Wait, love did he show his penis? Oh, yeah, no, to, he, uh, to for, a uh, journalist. He texted oh, a journalist. Yeah. I thought it was like a Lenny Kravitz situation. No, that was Like where his pants just exploded? Which yeah. is one of the funniest fucking videos I've ever seen in my life. Totally. One of the yeah. greatest humble brags of all time is him having to talk about that. Yeah. It's yeah. so funny. My dick well, was so big, it literally exploded it out of my, my pants. My pants. Well, speaking of dicks, what do we think about X? Uh, and that's not that's a that's a pretty clever set considering it's about you oh. know, porn, porn. I heard curve. there's dicks in it, right? There is a there's a little bit of a dick. A little bit, um, yeah. It's it's a little bit of a silhouette of a penis. As, as We're well. saying yeah, little a lot. Boobs, can... There's more boobs and butt. <laughs> the big little, little there's big. some yeah. some dong. I really like nice. X. I've seen it twice. Uh, I I liked it a lot more on the second go. Um, I think. There, I think the first one I was sort of just kind of absorbing the vibes, but uh, the second one, there's actually, I mean, the thing about Ty West is he's he's fucking terrified of old people, mm-hmm. and I think that that's valid, um, because I think I think when you're younger, yeah, it's like like I was afraid of my grandparents when I was young, not for yeah. any, they were very sweet to me, uh, but you know, I think that they're almost a different species, and so. Uh, as I get older and I realize like, oh, some day is going to come when my body starts breaking down in various ways. And uh, like, that's one fear. But what X sort of tackles is the idea of, you know, just because we get older, it doesn't necessarily mean our our uh, need for um, fucking attention or desire 
Yeah, I mean, I you know, it that doesn't necessarily go away. The need to be needed physically mm-hmm. and emotionally uh, doesn't really quite go away. And I think the way he confronts that in this by sort of setting, uh, you know, the older generation, it's set in the 70s, but it's sort of like, you know, the 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 older generation against sort of the the sex crazed free love movement of the 70s and, and 60s is, is, is a very interesting sort of clash. I think the movie's got its problems, but overall I... I really quite enjoy it, and I think it's 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 resonant in in terms of tapping into something that is relatively taboo uh, that I don't think a lot of horror movies touch on. So I'm a big fan of of Ty West's uh, X. What about you, Justo? I um just about loved the first two thirds, honestly, um, before the horror came into it, and I, I was kind of let down by that aspect of the movie. I also think a lot of the themes were very interesting, Randall, but I do think that he kind of undercuts his own themes. Especially the, uh, and the, just as, as it goes on, he, he undercuts, it's hard to talk about without spoiling it. Yeah. But I feel like he does undercut some of the themes he's trying to get at in the movie. And then we've got this prequel coming out that really undercuts the theme of the movie. But people are excited for that, and I would never want to take anybody's joy away from them. It looks, it looks cool, because I actually stuck around, because if you go see X, the, um, the trailer the prequel, for the yeah. prequel plays at the end credits, which I didn't see the first time, but I did stick around to see the second time, and it looks pretty cool. Uh, but I know what you mean, Justin. We've talked about this off yeah. mic, and uh, I agree with you in many ways. I think that the story is perhaps overcluttered, um, and it would have been a bit more elegant with a bit more restraint, but at the same time... Um, it's a solid slasher, I think, you know, it's I, uh, yeah. because it, and he and the thing about Ty West and Mike, I think you'll agree with me on this is he's he's so much better at developing character than a lot of other modern horror people. You know, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think he does. I, I I don't know. This one this look, this is my most anticipated movie of the year. So I, I had a lot of hype going into it. And I think aesthetically he matches what he does. But at the same time, he already did that before. So like the thing that I. The thing I loved about Ty West leading up to this is that like every one of his movies was a different sort of experiment for himself and he kept challenging himself in different ways. And I, I don't know, my argument for, for X is that I feel like, every, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's his greatest, his greatest movie and yada, yada, yada. It's like, I don't know. I just think it's kind of a step back. Like I, for me, it just feels like, well, in a value of violence didn't connect, even though I think that's an incredible achievement for him, especially at an era where no one talks about the Western. It's like the deadest genre and he made an entertaining Western movie. And I just feel like he kind of like spent the last five years being like, all right, what do I do next? It's like, well, I got to capture the consciousness again. Let me go flex my old muscle that got me on the scene, which was like House of the Devil, which I think House of the Devil is a, arguably a 10 out of 10 movie. And I, I, I would put this at like a, I don't know, like a six or seven, just because like, I, I just don't, I, I don't know. I think like ultimately like, yeah, it's really hard to land a third act, which is I've, I've talked at great lengths of it with this with like Brad Miska because, you know, he works on the VHS movies. He's like, yeah, the third act is really hard to do. And I think ultimately like, I just kind of like lost interest in the third act. Like I, I just, and, and even then before that, I'm like, well, you know, what, what honestly was what got me in. I was like, well, I guess the aesthetic experiment was great. Cause no one does the aesthetic thing like that. Like he does. Everyone tries to do an eighties movie. Everyone tries to do a seventies movie, but like, honestly, like they, no one does it like Ty West. And so I still applaud him with that. But like, even then, like he did that with house of the devil and he did that where it felt distinct despite actually feeling like a vintage movie. Whereas you watch this and you're like, Oh, it's Toby Hooper. Like I, I so for me, I, I don't know. I, I, the more I sit with it, the more problems I have, I do want to go back and revisit it. Kind of like what you did, Randall. Um, cause like, here's the thing. It's like, it's still solid. Like it's still a solid movie, but I just, 
the level of 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 praise that movie's gotten on Twitter and stuff is just it's a little confounding to me. I, I will say so. Um, you know, what, I, Jen, because we're all well, actually. I just took a break from Twitter, but I was on Twitter all the time. I know we're all we are all pretty much slaves to Twitter at a certain point. Do you feel that if we did not hear any of the hype surrounding this movie for months on end on Twitter on social media, that we all would have enjoyed it more? I mean, Jen, you haven't seen it yet, but do you have the same experience with other movies where that oh, happens, absolutely. where you feel like it just gets every movie is the best movie of the year, the best movie they've ever seen, and it just goes on and on, and it it's inevitably whether you want to or not going to affect your viewing of the movie because you're going to start looking at it through that lens the entire time. Right. Totally. Like, I am going to take all everything I've seen on Twitter when I go. Now I might just have to go tomorrow afternoon. Um, and, yeah, it's impossible to escape that, you know. But on the other hand, like, the other side of that sword is, like, I find out about so many movies that I wouldn't have heard about, you know. And yeah. But, yeah, sometimes I just, it, I just marvel over movies that people just lose their fucking minds over. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I mute. I mute most movies that that are coming out like i muted the scream movie mm-hmm. so i missed all the discourse and i yeah. had a great time with it i love the new scream mm-hmm. and then uh with x i couldn't mute it <laughs> yeah. <of X>. <laughs> and if, yeah and if you mute the letter x then all words with x in it and all of gone. your x-rated wow. movie uh, posts and all my x-rated accounts that i follow porn twitter yeah. but yeah. i will say and justin you and i have talked about promising young woman and like waiting forever to see it because I was just so annoyed with all of the discourse. And I finally <laughs> saw it and I was like, okay, this is fine. This is good. Yeah, I have thoughts about it. Yeah. But I could have, like, I had seen it like a year after it was out. So I could like have my own thoughts. Yeah, you need feeling. the distance. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you need, you need the, the distance, you know? Yeah. Because it's like I'm either aligning, especially if it's somebody whose opinion I really value and I see that they're like, they're going really hard in one direction. I'm like, I don't know. There's part of me. Yeah, I mean, we saw X like we saw Mm -hmm. X like the very first showing Mm -hmm. that we could see, and so that was good. But even then, so much had already come out, and that's just the problem with the hype machine, you know. It's uh, and especially because you know there's all these shell accounts, like especially the ones that Disney uses and stuff. That whenever they have you know some bullshit coming out, they'll have you know some 45 year old guy who doesn't care with like 80,000 followers because like you know this movie made me cry, and then uh, (laughs) you know and then it turns out to be like you know the eighth sequel to um I don't know you know some Justice League version eight or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. <laughs> uh, well, let's keep the theme going for movies because, uh, Justin, take the next one. All right, I will. Um, this is from Stephen King on Twitter. And he, <laughs> asks, he says, Oscars, 
I think a much better show this year, nimble instead of lumbering. Quite watchable, except it's overloaded with commercials. That's great, Uncle Steve. Let's talk about the, the uh, Will Smith slap. Uh, <laughs> Jen, because did this you see this right live? Because it. I can say right now, Randall, Mike, and I were at a kind of counter-programming party watching oh. Tim Heidecker's On Cinema at the Cinema Oscar special. So we just saw something that came across Twitter, and we, then we just spent the next hour focusing on that. Did you see it live, Jen? <laughs> I saw it. No, I didn't see it live, but I saw it like five minutes after because uh, yeah. I was watching something. I, I can't remember what I was watching. Some old movie. And Corey texted me. He's like, holy shit, Will Smith just um just punched Chris Rock because um, <laughs> he was upstairs doing tax stuff. And and so then I just hopped on Twitter and saw all of just cascading things. And then I saw this tweet go by and I was like, what the fuck Oscars did he watch? I know. Like, it's so funny. It's like, talk about the slap, Steve. There's nothing else to talk well, about. Because this is right before it. And that's the thing. So oh, it, was it? it? Yeah, it dropped before the slap. Oh. So then, because I remember posting Premature. this to socials and being like, oh, King's got Oscar fever because we were watching on cinema. And then I realized the next day I had posted that and everyone's like, well, did he stick around for 20 more minutes afterwards? Because right. that's what happened. Well, like, hey, what are you going to drop your review of a movie halfway through the movie? I know. On, Steve. I know. Uh, no, I'll say it was very funny. We were watching the on cinema having a great time. And then Justin uh, said that Will Smith slapped Chris Rock and we all thought it was a joke. Yeah. And then yeah. I thought it was fake. And I started talking about how it was a psyop. Oh, and yeah, then, the uh, and then a shy um, up, right? because I was shy. like, they were so <laughs> desperate for ratings that this is, they staged this. But then uh, I think we all kind of realized that it was real once we saw Will kind of screaming uh, from the, uh, you know, from his seat. And uh, it was very funny. And I think that, I think one thing that we knew, especially at our little gathering, was that who boy the takes are going to be flying, oh, and Lord. they did not disappoint. And yeah. it was so <laughs> funny to watch, like you know, the inevitable piece tying it to the war in Ukraine. You yeah, yep. or like, like every, every piece, and then, then like equating it to I don't even want to get into. Honestly, it's like it's still a minefield to even talk about it. I know. To talk about the talking about it, you know, I know. But yeah. the extremism, the extremism on both sides. The yeah. extremism yeah. on both sides was so nauseating. But I will say, why don't we just... There's been a lot of discussion over the last couple of weeks about it. Let The four of us, let's make a decision for everybody right now. Mike, mm-hmm. what do you think? What? For for what? Should, I... What should the punishment be for Will Smith? You make the decision. Oh, I This will be the audio clip for the episode. <laughs> you know, Mike I, I Rothman think... condemns or condones Will Smith. <laughs> You know, it's I don't condemn him or condone. I I, I think uh, I wish he kind of leaned into it a little bit more. You know, I kind of wish that he was uh, uh, yeah. leaned into the bad boy image a little bit. Hundred percent. Because my my issue with him over the last few years is that you know I, I think I joked on the tweet it was like oh it's the best performance since Ali or the the edgiest performance because ever since Ali he's done like the safest performances ever. I mean, he even turned down like Quentin Tarantino because, it was, you know, it was too taboo. And I, so I don't know. It's just, Django, he hasn't. Yeah. He, he also hasn't turned down because of the, ironically enough, because of the violence. I know. I it's yeah, absolutely right? hilarious, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't, but the thing I haven't seen, you know, discussed, because again, you were saying it's, it's very toxic and it's a minefield, is that like, what does it say about like the, the family dynamic that they've held over Hollywood for so long? And it's that like, you know, they're for the longest time, like, you know, any narratives that are tied to, you know, to, to Smith and all into the family, they're, they're very PR controlled in mm-hmm. a way. Um, and so this, this incident is very interesting because it kind of shows the seams a little bit 
it's almost like an ordinary people, Robert Redford moment <laughs> where, and that's what I took as interesting, but I haven't really seen people really talk about that much. Like it, everyone keeps talking about like, you know, Oh, what this means. And you know, you know, you can't make fun of this person and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, Oh, like I think, are comedians safe? People I know. Right. Jump I know. on stage that's and the thing. smack them. It's like, shut nightmare. up. I know. Uh, my, so. yeah. What we joked about at our party, and this is what I still stand by is Will should have leaned into it should have embraced being a bad boy he should have said you know i shouldn't have smacked him i should have like you know punched him across his fucking head you know <laughs> and then have jeremy saunier cast him mm-hmm. in uh fucking green room part two and then just greener. let will yeah greener greener room and then let will just go fucking crazy and let him like patrick stewart playing like a nazi like let will do some actually gritty terrifying roles and i'm all about it because will obviously the man's got charisma i grew up on independence day oh, the man you. is is Fresh a presence on screen for me yeah it's like the man's a presence on screen he hasn't had good material in a long time because he's so fucking concerned with being you know uh the next hanks or whatever yeah. uh that he his family is is the most cringe thing i've ever seen in my fucking life these are the most annoying famous people ever like throw some fucking like uh grit in there yeah because I, I think he can do it mm-hmm. and uh so i give him that that's my take on it uh this is basically a... year six of me saying we've got to get rid of the academy awards oh, every year it's an absolute nightmare of a either somebody's upset because somebody won or didn't win and now this has to happen like i guarantee nobody's a year from now is even remember that coda won best picture like that's how no. much it dominated the conversation nobody's remember anything else except for him oh, i know that was kind of sad it. i'm like mm-hmm. fine with coda winning only because it's like a lot worse movies could have won and coda at least like you know gives us something that we haven't had before which is like you know a movie for deaf people that uh has that is moving and well made and and has this kind of acclaim and hopefully will open more doors for these kind of stories to be told that's fine i've not seen coda from what i've heard about it it sounds like a movie i wouldn't enjoy at all uh but but no but it's just like i'm that's fine i'm glad it won i mean the only movie i really loved that was nominated i liked power of the dog a lot but i you know i didn't necessarily enjoy it but i i thought about it a lot and i think it's a well-made movie the only movie i really love that was up for an award was licorice pizza and i knew that don't get me started on the the discourse around around that too yeah so it was like you know so it's like uh you know i i kind of i i wasn't all that i mean my favorite movies were pig and red rocket um and licorice pizza so you should have watched the indie spirit awards randall you would have enjoyed it well uh, yeah. Do they air that anywhere? It's probably like on TNT or True TV or something like that. <laughs> it's probably on like a you know a, a stream that you could like sign up for for like an email you know with email. So yeah, I don't know, but like a movie like King Richard or whatever, like that's such a bullshit movie. Like that's not produced movie. by like, the family. Like yeah. yeah, any biopic that's produced by a family, it's like the Motley Crue biopic that was produced by Motley Crue. Like who wants on, who wants to watch here. that? You know, it's here. like no thanks. I mean, you know, any biopic that's produced by a person who's in the biopic is gonna be bad. That that is like yeah. the hard rule. But uh, so I don't know, man. It was it was a shitty year for the Oscars. So I I fully what's embrace, new though? It's part I know the I fully mm. I fully embrace like Will Smith going up there and just you know poking a fucking hole in the balloon. Like that to me is a lot of fun um so yeah i think for me the only real response to the will smith slap was lmfao that shit is funny it's funny when celebrities hit each other it's funny when celebrities well, I, I act think like I children said, not, not, on national tv i think I, I remember i said 
personally, I find it funny when a $320 million man exactly. punches a $60 million man. Like, I don't care about million. If, if millionaires were the only people who hurt each other, the world would be a better place. <laughs> I agree. I know. It was I don't funny. care. These people are so coddled, like, every day of their fucking lives. It's so funny when the mask slips and you actually see the real person come out. Like, that shit's fucking fun. And that's why I was saying, like, yeah, Will, like, lean into it, man. If you're angry, be fucking angry on film. You know, that's fun. Yeah. 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 Well, I think the only words there should be are the kingies. And I stand by Yeah, I agree. That's what we tweeted the entire time. We need controversy at the kingies, I gotta say. Jen, what do you think should happen? I would punch you guys if I was in town. Um... I mean, I wouldn't, but because I'm nice. Um, but, Jen, but be start... careful what you say, because this is going to be the poll quote for the episode. What oh, should shit. happen to Will Smith? Also, so here's you the question. You guys are all just the... like going to burst into flames. Well, let's just say tonight you, you, says. You, you fire up the TV, <laughs> six degrees of separation's on, you're watching it. Yeah. Um, well, I've never seen it, so. Oh, okay. But man, I love Bad Boys too, and I'll watch that thing over and over and over again. Problematic as Love well, Bad but... Boys. Love it. Um, yeah, I have never been more thankful to not have to have an official p- opinion on <laughs> yeah. anything in my life. 100%. <laughs> like, That's thank a God good point. That I am point. not covering this. Like, I think, I don't know, I go back and forth. I will tell you, I was super uncomfortable for the rest. Like, I had so much nervous anxious energy just watching like the aftermath of all mm-hmm. of that and what really got me was his acceptance speech oh, like totally. i just yeah, man oh my god it's so uncomfortable Whew. well the devil and did I make just, him do it to be fair well that's true yeah but like i just i didn't know what the to devil. do with all of this energy and i was like oh my god so i think i watched like i don't know trouble every day or something i've been on this french extremity kick and so i watched some kind of horrific isn't trouble every day on on shutter not a sponsor it is on shutter yeah it's yeah, well, watch some people get skinned. Yeah, I will but, say this. Yeah, I could Eating still, I could still put on <laughs> a Will Smith movie. No name problem. one, name one right now. You could, you can't do it right now, can you? Uh, do it. Oh, do first it like, one that comes uh, to mind. Honestly, I, I think the Pursuit of Happiness is actually pretty underrated. I, I think agree, he's really yeah. good in that movie. He's really yeah, good. In that never movie. saw it. He's, I love he, I, am I remember getting quite emotional near the end of that movie. I saw good. just yeah. the two of us music video. I okay, yeah. Well, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. Okay. I'm Legend is good. I will stay. I there. I like I am Legend. I wish they used the original ending, but um, yeah, t- the story is a lot better. I but. still need yeah. to see Ali. I still need to see it. Ali's I, great. I never saw God, he, that's the award he should have won for. That's what pisses me off. It's like, and that's emblematic of the Oscars. Is totally. It like, any totally. like, I mean, I, I, Justin and I have this habit of like, we we love playing these like um year 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 to year sort of games when we're uh, drinking or something like that. And like one of the things we do, like I've gone through, is just uh you know, like best picture winners or best actor winners. And it's like more often than not, the person that wins best actor should have won for the one three years before. And it's like, they've been course correcting themselves like over and over again over the years. So like none of the awards really make that much sense most of the time. And it's like, no. so it's a fucking yeah. joke. Just end it. Um, it's it's like all Denzel narrative driven and, too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and also like, who totally. cares? What are you going to disappoint? The, 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 the three, five or five, you know, the, the hundred people on Twitter that are, that, you know, that go to these fucking awards <laughs> that actually, shows. actually like and, are invested in this. Yeah, and those exactly. people are going to be upset about something regardless. Well, God, yeah. That's, of course, that's the point. Because that's what know? they wake up to do. Exactly. Um, yeah. I just think, why don't you just have the red carpet? Everybody looks great. You go yes, up there, you, ce- you the celebrate the, the 10 movies that got nominated. Just celebrate them. Yep. Congratulations, yeah. and then it's over. There's no, there's no, no there's, who gets build the on fucking that. statue? I'll build on that, Justo. Why don't you just have it where you get all the most expensive, like, you know, richest billionaires in one room, <laughs> the millionaires, they could all be in a room where you have millions of cameras everywhere so everyone could have this really cool VR experience, those that are, you know, celebrity obsessed, VR. and they all fucking treat them like gods. You could get on, you could put on your VR helmet, and they could keep, 
flashing all the studio logos and the titles that were nominated or should have been nominated, but you get to get an up close and personal experience with all your stars that you love and you follow on Twitter and you think they're your best friends and you defend them when anything happens because that's what most people do at this point. And you can have the really cool VR experience moment and for two hours, just feel like you're one of the celebs and you can hang out with them in that room. I think that's the Oscar experience that everyone really wants right now. Like you could be like, you know, a bunch of teens or, you know, or 20 somethings could be like, I'm going to hang out with Zendaya or Zendaya for, for, you know, for an hour. And maybe I'll, maybe I'll hear what she's saying to Tom Holland or something like that. And well, let me that, ask you this, Mike. Experience. Does this experience end with, with strobe lights causing me to have a seizure and an yes, aneurysm and dying absolutely. immediately after it's over? Yeah, I have to say, Mike, I thought you were going somewhere a lot darker with that whole... Well, I just no, took it no, even I'm darker. not going to go darker. No, <laughs> I went but darker. The, no, I mean, honestly, that's, that's all anyone really wants. I mean, that's what all the media publications want also. They just yeah. want to be able to be like, hey, look at this celebrity and look what this celebrity did and look at this celebrity with another celebrity and celebrity, celebrity. It's like that's all I fucking want. enough. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speak, speaking of going nuts. Next speak next yes. tweet. So, all right, on March 31st, this is the big one. This is one that caused everyone to go nuts. Um, <laughs> well, I think I showed this to you, and I was like, what? Yeah. Oh. We, have, we have a lot of parts through here. So, uh, for some reason, I guess on March 31st, not April 1st, uh, Stephen King tweeted, Screen Rant, ask the question America cares about most, not... Nah. Who is the greater I villain? You didn't even try to sell the knot there. <laughs> is that what he's doing? Oh, okay, so... Screen rant. Ask the question American cares about most. Not who is the greater villain, Randall Flagg or Pennywise? Have they not considered the possibility that they are the same entity? Um. So what do we make of this? Can we start? Can we start with the most basic fact of this, which is Steve? Why the hell are you reading Screen Rant? That is the worst goddamn site on the internet. It's awful. Stop it. Um, God damn it. Because it's Jesse O. You know what that is? Screen Rant is a slightly higher level than the people on Twitter who who unironically will write, um, Halloween 1978, thumbs up or thumbs down? I know. And they have like (laughs) 60,000 followers. You just want to blow your head off, you know? Um, here's, the, here's the bottom line here, and I always love the op- I love talking about King's Dominion whenever I'm on a book episode. It's just, it's a fun discussion. Mm-hmm. They are not the same person. And if they are, it, ma- it makes no sense, and I give It makes up. no sense. It makes no sense. I think this might just be a bit, right? God. Well, it, it, it's 3.30 on, on March 31st, so it's not April Fool's. Well, maybe so he was in this- Australia. Yeah, he's on Australia promoting Gwendy's final task. He's like, no, yeah, no, check it out. Gwendy. It was probably it was probably April Fools, but the thing is too, and I've talked about this uh in the newsletter before, but he's so distant like from these creations now that he's, you know, that he's pioneered, he's lived with them for so long. He's watched them be manifested and repackaged and reproduced and recycled in so many different forms of media, whether it's parodies, whether it's original movies, whether it's um, uh, cartoons, anything like artwork, all these things. These, I think King understands in his own way that these creations no longer belong to him. Mm. Um, and I think that's a very healthy thing for a lot of writers to do, which is just sort of back off and not be precious about your work. Because, you know, that's what literary critics do is they take your work and they find new meaning in it. And that can be good and it can also be annoying and it can be bad. But and so I think that King has reached this very healthy point with his work where he's so detached from it that 
he doesn't mind fucking with sort of this the uh the sanctity of his characters. So he's just saying this because he knows it'll get a reaction. Yeah, because Penny, so. yeah, Pennywise and uh, Randall Flagg are just these sort of you know these these creations that have been completely mangled and reworked and and he has no connection to them anymore they belong to other people so yeah they belong to two sexy hunky hot brothers (laughs) which could be what he was mixing up you know yeah Yeah. that is i actually didn't even consider that jen like the idea that scars guards play both of those characters mm-hmm. like yeah. that is that to me actually seems like an important wrinkle here i think that's you know was probably on king's mind too when he wrote this movie. I, you yeah. know what i think this is i think this is the same thing that he did with the oscar he uh he you know he tweeted this uh he probably saw the slap and he was like oh should i delete it it's you know that's not really my sentiments anymore this was he had this he realized it's not april 1st <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, eh, I'll just keep it up. You whatever. probably realize like, I'm, the, I'm the world's most famous author since Charles Dickens. I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> that's probably him. That's what, what I do. On April care. Fool's Day, he followed it with a, a, a tweet that just says, not. That, yeah. It's the Wayne's World gift or something like that. Or like, but that's, yeah. that's the thing, too, is like, it's so stupid to say these are like anybody who's a series is like, OK, let's break it down. Are they the same character? It's like, no, they're they're no, completely they're different on a no. fundamental level. Like, I mean, like like Pennywise is a cosmic sort of uh, intergalactic evil that shapeshifts uh, to to sort of like play on your own fears randall flag is sort of a henchman he's 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 a, he's a he's an opportunist you know he is somebody who takes advantage of situations and wants to serve as a sort of demigod like he wants power pennywise isn't interested in power pennywise is interested in in you know uh consumption and fear like these uh, like uh these are these are very different on fundamental levels these two characters you know, it's funny randall yeah. somebody will still hear everything you said which makes 100 sense and say, well, what if it's a different where and when? And then it's like, oh, <laughs> right. Anyway. There are other well, there are. In these. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, well, but even in that book and without spoiling, but there are like connections between some of these things. And even then they're not the same thing, you know? Yeah. So no, like the opportunity to make them the same thing exists and was not. Well, Although yeah. it could be he's teasing his next book. Ooh, well, it could boy. be that he's teasing a, a, a story that we're going to be talking about in, in the next section. Um, which Might be true. You know, oh, I, I, we'll find out. Um, do we have anything else to say about this, or, or we, we've nope. kind of talked about? It? All right. Well, look, it's been yeah. nice catching. It's been nice catching up on Cambed, and uh, not to sound like a dad or anything. I think we'd be idiots if we didn't get off our phones and, and enjoy some time here. And you guessed it, Hollywood King. There's a town on the coast of Del Sol. Always find my way there. There's a place that the calls to my soul. Always find my way there People there are forever young Forever young And they toast to each other's love Each and every night All right, well, we got a, lot, we got a few headlines to cover. Uh, Justin, why don't, you, uh, why don't you take the first one? Well, I'd like the three of you to um, meet the Torrances. Oh, <laughs> I got milk. I, I got milk. Uh, I got nipples. <laughs> Dada I'm Diggles. Pennywise and Randall Flagg. Can you milk me? <laughs> Can you milk me? I got milk. That, what a great line. Remember that? that, that classic well, I, line I just want to talk parents? about it. I read this thing the other day, and it's, uh, it's about Ben Stiller and his possible connection, actually his flat-out connection to Stephen King as of late, and I'll say this right now. In a recent interview, he said that the failure of Zoolander 2 opened the door for him to work on weirder, 
mainstream adjacent projects like Apple's Severance, which is really, really good, by the way. You're loving um, it. Yeah. Finale is tomorrow as of this recording. And Escape at Danamora, which I forgot about, which I also heard is really good. I think that was an HBO show, right? It stars, uh, it stars the Hulu. Riddler. Okay. Oh, no, it was Showtime, but it, it aired on Hulu. Okay. Yeah. It, it's all the same to me at this point. It's all bleeding. <laughs> Pretty much. It yeah. all bleeds together. And speaking of bleeds together, the actor and director is also in a king kick because back in 2020, he optioned the rights to Let It Bleeds. Well, if rat. it bleeds. <laughs> a really good... I, I did not know that, by the way. Oh, I, I fucked it up. It's <laughs> If It Bleeds, not Let It Bleeds. <laughs> We always do. I do the same thing, Randall. I yeah. can't help myself. Speaking of Rolling Stones, it's one of Stephen King's uh, favorite yeah, shows. That's, true. Rolling that's Stones. right. Yeah. Maybe it was the Let It Bleed tour. It's all connected. I need to say this, though. Keep Back in 2020, Stiller optioned the rights to If It Bleeds novella <laughs> Rat, yeah. which could be interesting. Uh, and now his name is being bandied about for a starring role in a London stage production of The Shining. <laughs> that's my London... <laughs> Oh, is that so? Yeah. Hi. Um, is this what he's doing? I'm like Australian. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's good day then. Uh, theater vets Ivo van Hove and Simon Stevens are shepherding the adaptation, which will reportedly adhere closer to King's book than the Kubrick film. Well, like that makes more sense because there's not a lot of yeah. talking in the Kubrick film, you know? Yeah, uh, what, do we, what does everybody think about this? Jen, how do you feel about this? I know you're really, really beholden to that, the, the book as opposed to the Kubrick film, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've kind of made my peace with nothing is ever going to be as good as the book. So, yeah, go for it, you know? Well, there you go. All right. Maybe Steve Kubrick can show I, up, you know? I, I just think it's interesting because we have an opera. And it's, yeah. it, was, it was actually made by, you know, a Pulitzer Prize winning, uh, you know, composer and writer. Mm-hmm. Who you could actually Bob hear Dylan? on? Yeah, yeah Paul uh, <laughs> Paul Morvec, Yes, yeah, Bob Dylan's we, brother. Actually, <laughs> it is true. Yeah, you know they yeah. wrote uh, Paul Zimmerman sixty one together. Um, <laughs> uh, so I I think it's interesting that it's like, all right, wasn't enough that we had a movie. It mm. wasn't enough that we had a miniseries. Nope. It wasn't enough that we've had multiple memes and thousands of things uh, or a sequel. Um, we had an opera. We got to do the stage show now. Like, Just it's like it. how many times are we going to tell this? But I'm story? kind of into it. I'm like, into it. I'm into it. Give me a good stage production of this. Like, I think it could be really cool. I don't. I, mean, I don't. I don't yeah. know. I mean, it might not be. We we do have a million versions of this, but I don't know, man. Like, if you give me a really cool ass production, like stage production, of The Shining, like. I'm I'm open to that. They could know? do like the Lion King hedge animals thing. That would be cool. <laughs> oh, that'd be neat. Yeah. I, I think the, all they need to do is just wheel over the pre-existing set to like noises off and just have like the upstairs downstairs <laughs> and just have them yelling at Wendy. I'm I'm working. I remember being at that uh, shining pop-up in Chicago mm-hmm. um, mm. a while back, and they had people acting out the stair scene uh, with with uh, Wendy and Jack. But it was funny because it was only like a th- three or four minute scene, so we would. We were just kind of hanging out, and then they did the scene like four times. I know it was like, really we strange. <laughs> and we were I, like, "Oh God, that must be hell for them. Mm. They have to do that like thirty, like probably fifty times tonight." Like yeah. those New Year's Eve cafes, you know, where you they know, come yeah. every yeah. hour. Or like, if, like if when you, you used to host Jaws on at, at Universal, and you had to do the same thing over and over again all day, every day. Yeah. Oh so. my God, that reminds me of the time we might as well go off on tangents now. Rothman and I <laughs> were at a screening of a movie. We won't give it away. But the star of the movie also has a song in that movie. So she came out and like did this whole rehearsal of singing the song before the movie started. While there was already an audience there waiting for the movie. And then she did it again when she was introduced. It was very bizarre. Uh, speaking of <sighs> awkward repetition and awkward performances. Yeah. Here's what I want to say. I'm actually into this. There's a darkness to Ben Stiller. 
Yeah. And I would love to see it come out in this. You know, I think that he could possibly present this as a really gregarious guy. Like he seems to come off in a lot of his comedies and everything. And then really, obviously, start to unravel, which would be much more akin to the actual book itself, I think, in a lot of ways. True. I, I just, my, my thing with this is that it just goes into what I'm just, I don't know. It's like for us covering King, I just, God, I would just love to see like other stories be adapted at this point. Like there's yes. just so many that are out there. Like, and I, and I don't know. It's just Duma for the, key, the stage production. Well, that's, yeah, that's right? the issue, right? It's the IP. It's But there are other popular ones. Exactly. That's my thing. It's like The Shining, especially when we talked about this in the long watch episode, it's like, I still love the Kubrick version and, and I'm, I'm always going to love the Kubrick version. But even I have to admit that I am starting to get like fatigue from it. Like for the same way that you just talked about with Batman, where I'm like, all right, like how many other, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's even when I'm sharing stuff on socials, I'm just like, I got to pump the brakes on this shining stuff. But he has like you know, 80 <laughs> fucking stories I could choose from that are outside of this. So I, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just, that's where I'm at with it. I think it's going to be, I mean, I actually do think Stiller would be fucking great at it. I agree. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, but anyway, I started I'm a, with- I'm a Stiller fan. I, I, I've always enjoyed him and he hasn't done a ton of drama, but the drama I've seen him in is good, but I've never, I'm trying to think of anything I've seen him in where he's, it's been more horror Jason. I'll say he directed the cable guy, which mm-hmm. actually has some creepy sequences in it. I know that movie's got kind of a reputation, but I, I kind of like it. The, and I'll um, say, this will sound strange, but, in the Ben Stiller show, mm-hmm. even the sketches, they went to some dark places where he ended up being kind of this creepy evil guy. Yeah. So I can yeah. kind of see that turn possibly happen. I mean, I'm talking about PJ Opudertoots and stuff, but he still becomes <laughs> like this evil person gradually. And so I think, I mean, I can kind of see it. I can, fly I'm over just to picturing London? him like in his orderly. Like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gilmore. Hell, hell L. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's like, so I feel like we have Jack Nicholson who was fantastic at the really unhinged Jack, you know? Mm. And then we have, I love Stephen Weber. He's really great, I think, at making Jack likable in the earlier stages. Yeah, we're that. Weberheads here. Yeah. But I feel like there, like Ben Stiller could do both of those things. I and so. I think that would be really interesting to see that turn. I yeah, hope- I'm I'm into it and I think that as a he's like, you know, and I Justin you mentioned this in sort of the intro here is I do think that he's inter- he's becoming more interested in genre uh now that he has a little bit more freedom to play because mm-hmm. Severance is a creepy show. I've only yeah. watched 3 episodes but I really like it and it's definitely genuinely kind of creepy. Yeah. And there's an aesthetic to it and there is a POV to it that's really exciting and then him optioning Rat I think it just shows that he's in this place where he's like I want to make some weird shit I want to make some spooky stuff that mixes comedy and mixes horror and I think we could use more of all of those things uh, you know where we're at and so after watching Severance specifically I'm excited about whatever yeah. future you know Ben Ben Stiller's up to because I feel like yeah the failure of Zoolander 2 I think it has opened the door for him to kind of do what, you know, he can work on these mid-sized projects and and chase maybe, you know, some things that he's been interested in for a while that, uh, you know, the major studios maybe weren't interested in. So, I don't know. I'm into the idea. I think it's cool. You think Christine uh, Taylor will play Wendy? Hey, they man. just got back together. Actually, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, they're back together, baby. Yeah. 
Much like Wendy and Jack separated for a period too. Uh, though, so. That yeah. is true. Look how it worked out for them, you know. You know and Mike, I think I, I understand what you're saying about the exhaustion of it all. If this was announced to be a movie, I would not be. Oh yeah, no, that. I don't want a movie. But, but yeah. I mean, uh, it's a different medium. I mean, it's fine with me. And the talent more. behind it is good. Like Eva Van Hove's obviously great. I mean, he's a, he's an old school theater guy. Then Simon Stevens is a great British playwright. I've seen actually. There was a theater in Chicago that kind of worked with him quite a bit, and uh, I've seen several of his plays. And they're very good. I mean, he's a, he's a good writer. So I think that, you know, in terms of the talent behind this, it sounds like it could be great. I'm not sure if it's fully confirmed yet that Stiller is going to be doing it. But if it if it leaked to the mainstream press, I mean, the trend is that that means he's doing it. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. I mean, I would... look, this is just going to take him away from Fockers 4. So I would rather him work on Rat. Like, I want to see yeah, that. Exactly. I think that would be a. Like I was really excited when I heard he yeah, was Yeah, that would be cool as hell. Well, out of all the yeah. ones that were option, like, you know, um what was the guy that's doing the blind the blind side? He uh he's doing Mr. Harrigan's phone. Like one of our greatest yeah. directors, John Ryan. Was it John? Ryan Murphy Hancock? produced, yeah. John yeah. Our blind side. Can't wait. Um Jen, why don't you take the next story? <laughs> all right. So have you heard of Frost versus Nixon? But Arch Bert <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> let's, let's let's run that back. Oh, this is all staying in there. Right? Is... <laughs> okay, go crazy I on Hollywood Kings. Hey guys, yeah. Okay, so I heard of Frost versus Nixon, but Archbishop versus King. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Tax season is rotted my brain. Um, so the Archbishop of Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, mm. is now in the podcast game, which sounds Hell yeah. just smashing watch Um, out justin called the archbishop (laughs) interviews it's a new six-part radio four series discussing faith morality and spirituality again laugh riot with six people who have made a significant (laughs) contribution to public life i feel like i'm going to hell for everything oh no it's fine we're all going there anyway i'll continue well there is yeah just like there's no god um you're fine <laughs> okay, so each episode he's going to ask questions like, "What has been your moral?" Now hold on, you've got to do this in like a haughty British accent. Okay, okay. Probably. Each episode he asks the big questions like, "What has been your moral touchstone through the good times and the bad, Governor?" <laughs> or, "How do you engage with faith and spirituality?" Well, <laughs> well it's good to know that you know after after the North America, UK is our you know our most uh, listened to you know country and kind of interior. So. Have you ever heard? Oh, sorry, I apologize. Oh, no, have you ever heard anybody in the history of even social media with a British accent getting upset about somebody no. doing a British accent? No, I don't they think do so. it. They just are very quiet about it. They're very polite. They're about very it. polite. Only when Madonna about their does anger. it, I think, is yeah. when people go nuts. You know. Um, <laughs> well, I, I could do a Madonna, but well. Oh maybe. God. So King was on this podcast. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Oh, God, there's more. Okay. Oh, he was on. Okay, yeah. So uh, he was on the podcast. He opened up about a number of serious topics, particularly on his sobriety. Well, now I feel bad for making all those jokes. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> Look, it's, the questioner did not know what was coming, to be fair. The questioner that's no true. It's true. It's true. Um, and how it's allowed him to live a more spiritual life. Some of the stories we've heard before, especially his anecdote about Kubrick and The Exorcist. But all in all, it's a pretty insightful interview and touches on a number of themes we've pulled and picked apart on this podcast, especially last year with Desperation and The Regulators. When asked by the Archbishop, I can't say that word, where he finds the deepest experience of loving... And being loved. King offered up another one of his write it down quotes, a new word processor of the God, if you will. Here's what he said. 
my family, my wife, my kids, my grandchildren, even my dog. Oh, that's sweet. Molly. I try every. Oh, I know that's like I. I didn't even want to do a stupid accent when I read that. Um, I try every day to love life itself. And I know that sounds like an empty platitude. And people are probably going to see this and roll their eyes. But what I mean by that is time slips away through our fingers. Time is water. Yesterday I was 16 and today I'm 74. I try at some point every day to look around myself at the sky, at the plants, and try to find something that I can not just be grateful for, but love for that one moment. Yeah. I think that's a nice sentiment. I, I, that's I, really I, sweet. I, a million percent agree with that perspective. Yeah. yeah, it's a great perspective, um, and I I absolutely love it. But I think it's partly why his his books aren't as mean anymore. And I uh, miss that's that. true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like yeah, we true. talked about, we talked about like uh, like on our recent Souls Midnight episode, we talked about sort of the the kind of lack of paranoia that's in his later books, and there's mm-hmm. kind of this implicit trust in a lot of institutions that I think. Uh, is is representative of his current mindset which i think sort of skews just towards like uh i'm focusing on the good things not the bad things which is great and like yeah. that's obviously a very healthy mindset and i'm happy to get any king book these days but you know in that episode in our souls midnight we were reading kind of sections from the stand and from the tommy knockers that were you know darker and more paranoid and i think that's always the version of king that i'll always respond to the most um but but obviously, I'm happy that he has these experiences and he has this sort of openness. And yeah, like you said in the description, Jen, we go very deep into uh, King's spirituality, his quotes about spirituality, and the way that Christianity and spirituality and and I think faith in general manifests in his books mm-hmm. in Desperation. And then also in the episode we recorded about sobriety, Jen, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Anna Marie Cox, uh, that episode, I think we also go pretty deep into notions of God and higher powers and a lot of those things. And I think that's been very helpful for King in terms of helping him get sober and and also Dr. Sleep, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. He goes into that as there as well. And I think that's it's really cool perspective uh, Mm -hmm. from him to get because it it is such a stark contrast, I think, from a lot of his earlier work uh, and where, you know, there is sort of. And the thing is, this is what I like about it, is that the moral compass is skewed and the paranoia is really present and the meanness is very present. The idea that the world is is kind of inherently evil or broken or infested, those things all exist in King's early work. They don't as much exist in his well, in his later work. There's still his later works I still like a lot of it, but there that is sort of, I think, a stark difference that has come with his sobriety and with sort of his embrace of yeah, I think even in the last six or seven years, I think about Revival. Well, that's an yeah, Revival. That's an exception to the rule, though. Well, Full Dark, No Stars. That collection is also fairly grim. Yeah, I mean, we we we, because we kind of hit on this with the the Lisi story episode last year because you know obviously that has a lot to do with his accent, which he also talks about in this interview. Um, And he, you know, he combines that with uh, obviously his, you know, his own sobriety. And I, and I think that a lot of that builds upon what you're saying, Randall, when it's like he has that new renewed experience on life. And we kind of, the, the, the thing I gleaned from Lisey's story and what I've kind of seen with a lot of his like post-accident, you know, post-sobriety uh, works is that it does feel like not only is, is he's less cynical, but I feel like he almost pulls his punches with the villains. Like his villains used to win and they don't mm-hmm. really win anymore with the exception yeah. of, you know, I, I think there's a couple of works that you just mentioned, Justin, that I think people would take, you know, would, would use those as an example. But like, I do feel like there are points where like, even when I'm reading like Lisey's story, I'm like, man, you really could swerve a little darker, but then it kind of goes off 
it, it, it moves away from it a little bit. And he does that with a couple other stories and especially some of his newer works, you know, and I think that's one of the, the, the problems I have with the outsider or, um, or even like the, the titular story of if it bleeds is that like you set up these stakes and I feel like seventies, eighties, even early nineties King would really lean into those stakes and kind of turn the heat up a little bit more nowadays, maybe not so much. And I think, it might it might just be where he's at right now. And that doesn't dismiss the fact that these are good stories. I think the the stories are really good. I just do miss that sort of like yeah. punch to the jaw a little bit. But um Yeah, I kind of I, I agree. And I think I don't know. I love all of it because I feel like there are parts like if I want the really mean king, I can go back to the earlier stuff. Right. And if yeah. I want the like schmaltzy stuff, I can read Billy Summer or something. Like if I want to cry, I'll read eleven twenty two sixty three. But I feel like and it's interesting because I'm reading Gerald's game again right now and I just got to this part where he's talking about the serenity prayer, which is like a cor- kind of a cornerstone in recovery. And just the way he writes about it, it kind of has this air of unfamiliarity. So it's just so interesting to see this trajectory over his career and I think the difference is it's not that there ever was not mean stuff in his early career or not like more sentimental stuff in the later I think it's just in his early career he's writing from a foundation of like unhappiness and darkness yeah, yeah, totally and yeah. now he's writing from a foundation of like those quotes you know so it's like what is underneath the new stuff is this like kind of acceptance of life but he still kind of reaches for the dark stuff sometimes and in the earlier stuff it was like the foundation was just somebody who I kind of feel like was deeply unhappy in a lot oh, of suicidal ways. even the, right, he, right he talks about and, in interviews like about how he thought about it all the time i mean he you know he right. basically quelled those those fears but like yeah that was on his mind but probably lot, through yeah. writing you know mm-hmm. and like but he could reach out and like write something like the body or like shawshank redemption or something so it's like it still exists it's just got like the underlying you know kind of flavor is is different yeah you know? Justin, but I, said, I love yeah oh go ahead mike but you said revival is like what like probably his darkest book oh, revival it's is super dark pretty hopeless it's very like pet cemetery <laughs> so i'm wondering level, where he's yeah. coming from with that it's just like maybe he do you think that might have been like this is he had just a bad the- year i think it's an exploration of death and i think it is an early in a phase what that i feel like rat is kind of the end of of exploring like his own death you know what maybe, it's actually yeah. gonna be because well yeah you know. especially having just talked about Dreamcatcher, i think that was where the obsession with his own mortality in a lot mm. of ways surfaced because that was the first book he wrote post-accident. And yeah. death is just kind of suffused throughout that book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I think I think his mindset is very healthy and, and lovely and um yeah. and that whole you know, kind of like is, it's kinda like the old yeah. and I do this all the time too, like, God, that musician was much better when they were on yeah. drugs. Yeah. Exactly. It's like what's what yeah. we gonna do? Like do we want them to like fall off the wagons? Like, oh, I, don't I know. know. I know. And we talked about that on our souls. Yeah, we talked about that in our Souls Midnight episode where it's like we miss sort of the paranoia, but at the same time it's like he's obviously in a good, healthy place and that's exactly. where we like to see Stephen King these days. So And I mean it's, look, we uh, loved Billy yeah. Summers, so like yeah. he's still well, you know, I mean, books. I mean I loved Billy Justin Summers. Justin didn't yeah. Justin. That was a tough beat. Okay. I'm gonna like break the fourth screen and Well, it's almost like Justin read it and, and said said uh, game over, man. Um <laughs> <laughs> Just that about, to be honest with you. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Uh, here's news for no one on this podcast, uh, except for maybe Randall and I, because we still play games. 
but uh, after 20 <laughs> years of watching the gaming industry evolve from the sidelines, Sierra Online founders Roberta and Ken Williams are back in the high life again. And uh, they've returned to the world of PC gaming with a 3D remake of Colossal Cave Adventure. And, uh, you know, with any return, uh, they're making the press rounds. And so they've been waxing a little nostalgic. And wouldn't you know, one of the stories that made the headlines is how they repeatedly tried to get Stephen King, noted gamer Stephen King, uh, to make a game with them. Uh, here's some quotes. Roberta Williams said, uh, we tried to work with Stephen King because I wanted to do a horror game. Ken Williams said, many, many times. Probably he now regrets not working with us because of Phantasmagoria. Yeah, I'm sure. Roberta, I know. Roberta said, uh, he didn't know who we were, what we were. So I just went ahead and made my own horror game, which was Phantasmagoria, and what actually, which actually went really well. And look, she's not wrong. The game sold like 500,000 copies within its first five months. It eventually sold a million copies a year after its release. So I don't know. Uh, shot in the dark here, but it kind of sounds like they wanted to make a game of The Shining, um, which to be fair, out of all the mediums that we could actually bring on, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm open to having some sort of Shining VR experience. Um, but here's Phantasmagoria's story. It's about a story of a writer who moves into a remote mansion and finds uh, herself terrorized by supernatural forces. Uh, so, you know, sounds like they did want to do The Shining. but um... Like Resident Evil meets The Shining. No, that's cool. Yeah. And I love that you brought up... The thing is, I was... Around the time this game came out, I was obsessed with reading video game magazines. Mm -hmm. And so... Or at least maybe... I think I read a lot of back issues of stuff too. So I can't oh, remember totally. if it was right when this game came out or if it was later I read about it. But I was... I thought this game looked so cool. Mm -hmm. But video games... I, you know, I didn't grow up super rich or anything. So it's like getting a video game was a huge deal. I got like maybe one video game for Christmas. Maybe yep. one for my birthday. That was like the most video games I ever got. So... um. So I remember seeing ads for Phantasmagoria, and I believe it was a PC game, and I didn't, I didn't have the a PC that could handle games. So it yeah. was, uh, so I remember being really jealous, and I always wanted to play this game because it looked spooky, it looked cool, it looked fun. I loved horror games when I was a kid. So I don't know. It's fun for this to sort of resurface in its way, uh, and this was part of like the FMV, like full motion video mm -hmm. kind of games that were big back then. Uh, and most of which were, you know, pretty bad, I think. But I think I've heard that Phantasmagoria is a pretty good so one. So pretty great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in terms of those games. And, uh, and you know, there weren't a ton of horror games back then. But Phantasmagoria is part of the same lineage as uh, Night Trap. Have you guys heard I love of Night Trap? love Night Trap. Night Trap yeah. is great, yeah. Who is yeah. it? Is it Linda Blair that's in it? there's it's it's uh i don't remember but it's it's very it's like a throwback to all like the slumber party massacres yeah um, i'm pretty sure it's linda blair i'm looking it up i could be i just totally remember wrong. so in night trap there's a character that one of my neighbors used to just like always uh do impersonations of which is like it's like a uh, weird eddie is one of the characters and it's just like this this kind of weird character that kind of hang hangs around and shambles around the house where this like stalker in so like every once in a while he's a comedic relief and he would just like fall over on top of like trash cans or, you know, be like, whoa, <laughs> and like he'd run away and it, it would ruin any tension that you had in the game. But we would always make fun of this character. Like, and, and, and no, and people were like, Wait, what are you talking about? And be like, oh, Night Trap. And, you know, for Sega CD. And they'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was wrong. Like, it was Dana Plato from oh, okay. Family. Hey. What was that? How uh, old is this show? game? She's been, she's been it was, passed away I know, for a long time. It came out in uh, like 1992. 92, yeah. And she died in 1999. Uh, oh, wow. Sorry to get dark. Okay. No, uh, Linda Blair was in a video game called Hell Knight. It's a different game. Oh, mm. that's based. is that based on the movie that she was in, Hell Knight? Um, 
It might be. Probably. Actually. Or yeah. wait, maybe. Oh wait, I'm dumb. It wasn't a game. It was a movie. <laughs> but I, searched, I searched Night Trap. It was it was a movie with phantasms and it was gory. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh okay, yeah, you're right. Uh but yeah, uh uh Night Trap with Dana Plato was actually a huge um like it became a thing in Congress. Like it was something that right wingers were like clutching their pearls about because no. it had violence in it and stuff. Oh totally. So shocker. But yeah, it was uh but no, I think that it's super fun. And the uh, and it's funny that you brought that up. Mike, we did a, we did a, we did the walk like a happy hour with our patrons yeah. where we and talked it, about King video games. Did we ever release that? No, we, it, it was like, it's a recording that we had about the, the dark half. We did a whole walkthrough on it and we had, mm-hmm. we had some interesting tangents about like, you know, what would work as a King game? What could not work? And well, uh, yeah. So know. I'll just say like, I, cause on that episode, I, or on that, um, hang that we did, I talked about kind of the different King video games. And that's the funny thing is there really hasn't been a lot of um, no. King video games and really not one that was very successful. What about that Roadwork was... Atari game from 83? I think it was. <laughs> that, was pretty, that was a big success. You have to pick up uh, the, the hitchhiker in the game. So. Oh God. Um, you have to pick up no, your champagne corks and stuff like that. Oh, oh man. Lord. Yeah. No, there was like, there was a, a text-based um, version of the mist that was like a text-based RPG mm-hmm. um, that was out there. There was a running man platformer uh, that was based on the Arnold Schwarzenegger film. That sense. was on. Yeah. It was based on the, on Ami- the novel by uh, Richard Bachman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was on the Amiga. <laughs> and then there was like multiple lawnmower man video yeah. games, which I think makes sense. <laughs> since oh yeah, it was you know so VR. Well, they pushed kind of that focus. more than the movie almost. The, it was the yeah. lawnmower man video game. Yeah, so. there was one for Super Nintendo and then one for PC, and and then there was uh, the Dark Half, which was kind of the one I think one of the more infamous ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, be, and you can actually watch That's an right. entire playthrough of yeah. most of these games, <laughs> but you can specifically watch it. Uh, it was a PC uh, game of the Dark Half, and it was kind of a narrative based thing. It was sort of an adventure game where it was like point and click kind of stuff, which uh, which is really fun. Um, but yeah, the game really sucks. It's not good. And then, yeah. And yeah. then there was Stephen King's F thirteen Control Alt dot 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 Shiver. Uh, I'd never heard of this game. Um, I had one of my freelancers when I worked at AV Club uh, write up a piece on King video games, and this is where I'm getting a lot of this info from. But yeah, this game was was basically just had King's name slapped on it. Uh, it was, it had a bunch of mini games. It wasn't like one full game. Uh, let me see. It was, uh, uh what year is this? Uh, uh, to what was it? Let me see. Mm, I don't know. You tell me, Mike, I'll but there was up, like, yeah. there was, uh, uh, like a game called whack a zombie and a game called bug splat. You can kind of like figure out what the games were just from the names of them. And, uh, the, the big reward for buying it was the ability to read King's story. Everything's eventual. Um, uh-huh. in the, yeah. yeah, you could read it on your computer if you got the game. So we'll oh, it was to 19, cover this. it was 1999. Yeah. Oh yeah. What F13. You want to cover it? Well, maybe, maybe it was a, because a shadow as part of Friday F13th, eventual. a Stephen King adaptation or something like that oh, he, from yeah. the, the movies. No, it was named after F13, which is obviously the, uh, scariest of the, um, you know, keys you can touch on your keyboard. Um, <laughs> That's Ooh. why it's control How is it not alt shiver. Control alt die or control know, alt decapitate. This something. the cover of it looks like a Tool album in like t- 1999. Like, <laughs> it, it looks ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I find the the history of King and video games uh, pretty interesting because like even Michael Crichton books had had games that had legs to them. Like the Terminal Man no... is my favorite. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> 
the Andromeda Strain, the video disclosure, game. The, disclosure, the NES game. The, oh my god, I would play the hell. That would be like a dating sim. Uh, I know. I'd be like, know. Mom, I'm busy playing Mario Brothers. <laughs> I'm still, like, I'm still, cha- I'm still level two of disclosure. I'm, mention, I'm in the mention, uh, the abandoned offices. <laughs> we can't mention disclosure without mentioning that Michael Douglas has the best performance of all time in that movie when he says to, to Demi Moore, you want to get fucked? Which is one of the funniest lines What's, ever uh, committed to film. But yeah, I just find it so interesting that there was never like a really good King game. No, I know. It, it, they should be. I'm imagining this video game with like really bad 90s graphics of Michael... <laughs> Uh, like his uh, jaw, like becoming like, unhinged. Get, but no, no but it would be like get, because the second yeah, games like the, used to have sound effects. So be like, "You want to get fucked?" All caps like, were fucked. Like, total, a total. You want to get fucked? You want to get fucked? It's like Maybe casual. that's what the F thirteen is. Because <laughs> like, like, like you used to like play the Michael Jackson's Moonwalk and be like, and like it'd be all muffled because the sound effects are awful. You want to get fucked? You want to get fucked? It's like a. Like yeah. this angry, like bad video game graphic from like '95, you know. It's a side just... scroller, and you just have to keep oh, on like going to a God. computer room to put the fucking disc in. God. Well, that's is... the funny thing. It's like platformers and side scrollers were like obviously the the kind of go to game for a while, and that's why like the home improvement, <laughs> the home improvement video game was like Tim Taylor oh. like walking through Hollywood sets, oh, firing there's... a nail gun at, at things. <laughs> And so, where's my like, blow? Oh, is that the one where Tim Allen's got the nail gun on set? He keeps going, You want to get fucked? <laughs> you want to get fucked? Yeah, you want to get nailed. But no, it was like, but it would be like Tim Taylor with a nail gun, like killing dinosaurs. But he's like yeah. supposed to be on a <laughs> film set. It was so clearly stupid. a game that they had ported over from like they had already been working right, now on. Now I'm imagining it, but, looking up at T Rex and saying, You want to get fucked? <laughs> you want to get fucked? <laughs> but yeah, it's like. But so that's the thing with like the Running Man game uh, and the Lawnmower Man games. Like those were like side-scrolling platformer yeah. games, which is like super funny. And uh, because they could make a side-scroller out of pretty much anything back then. And that's why I was laughing at the concept of like a Shining God. video game. Like the idea of like, you know, ju- like jumping and stomping on dogmen like you would Goombas in yeah. Mario Brothers, you know? Yeah. Or like the twins are like a boss battle, you know? It's very funny. Like Danny's well, if it was like, Atari, it would just be like the Michael Myers or the Halloween game where it's just like Jack just keeps following and you're just Wendy running around the hotel the entire time. And it's just like the most pointless game. You want to get um, fucked? You want to get fucked? Uh, all right. I feel like that's the new sound clip. For no, this. you said that Job oh, is like stomping on things in the lawnmower game? In the yeah. lawnmower man game? Yeah. yeah. Is he saying yeah. you want to get <laughs> But it's Pierce Brosnan, so he's like, you want to get fucked? This is the classiest wow. Do you want to get ever. fucked? want to get fucked? Go see my new movie, Dante's Oh. Like in, I remember when we reviewed the bad bag of bones movie with Pierce Brosnan, and we kept imitating just like him, just being like, "Oh my darling Joe, oh, I miss you so much, Joe." Joe. I miss you so much. And then Joe. you just add like, "Oh, you want to get fucked up?" Oh, right. <laughs> um, uh, so okay, Mama, uh, Mama Mia. Next news item. Uh, yeah, this. I think I think, I think we're ready for this final story because we're. This is a lunatic story, and we're all lunatics right now. So well, this is the big it, one. Take this it away, Randall. Building towards. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Pennywise lives. So, uh, so you didn't think I'm, I, it's always funny when like, I have to go from like my normal, just riffing into like reading text and then I'm trying to make it sound natural and I I can't. 
Okay, yeah. I'm reading text now. You didn't think Warner Brothers was done with the true clown prince of terror, did you? When I wrote that line, I was thinking about like, what did they call the Joker? The clown the prince true, of crime. Yeah. But then I say, I but then I call him the clown prince of terror. But then I say the true as if they're like, another I'm trying to say they're imposters. different than the Joker. So anyways, Pennywise the is the Joker. And uh, so the Ankler, which is a great newsletter, uh, it, for, they were the first ones to report that HBO Max, maybe you've heard of it, uh, uh, they're, de- <laughs> they're developing an, an IT, yeah, Tokyo Vice, uh, so developing an IT prequel series tentatively titled Welcome to Dairy. Uh, HBO Max, just so we remind ourselves, uh, they passed on the Shining prequel that we have talked about on a previous Hollywood King episode. Mm-hmm. There was a Shining prequel in the works called The Overlook. Um that was supposed to be like a series and I apparently they passed on that, which blows my mind because that seems like gangbusters IP. It must've been really bad, but yeah, they're developing an it prequel series. Um, and here's what they said. They said the series would likely explore the origin story of Pennywise, the clown, as well as the dawn of the 27 year curse that haunts the small main town. Um, variety adds that the series, excuse me, the series begins in the 1960s in the time leading up to the events of it part one. Uh, Andy Muschietti director of the it movies is on board to produce. Um, it's not confirmed yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Skarsgård returns. Uh, his involvement in Hulu's Castle Rock proved he's happy to stay in King's Dominion. Um, the series would expand beyond the scope of King's novel, though King drops a few eerie hints about the origin of the monster and the real identity of whoever was once behind uh, Pennywise's makeup in the novel. As I said in our newsletter, I think sort of, I don't know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm open-minded about this project, but I'm a little skeptical because... I think um, one of the things I love about the book, and I, you know, we talked about this in our coverage, was I love sort of the murky backstory of Pennywise. I oh, love totally. the 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 kind of smoke, the scene where they do the uh, the smoke tent or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and they hallucinate, and they kind of, you know, I believe it's Richie and Mike uh, basically see the arrival of Pennywise. And it's such a creepy scene because they know they're in a different time period and Mm -hmm. they know that uh, they're in a different place almost, but it's, it's also unfamiliar and they don't know. And then the kind of, even what they see manifesting is not something that is easily perceptible uh, to the eye. So it's, it's a really creepy origin. And then also one of the creepiest things I think in the book is Pennywise calling himself Pop Bob Gray yeah. often, and mm-hmm. that we don't really know Bob Gray. And one thing I'll give the It Chapter 2 credit for was I think they do kind of a fun job of teasing um, who Pennywise was in the real world and the idea of who this Bob Gray character might be. Um So I think those things are really creepy as they exist in that we don't know a lot. Uh, it seems like this series would want to flesh out those aspects. I'd be very interested in a series about whoever the guy who played Pennywise the Clown, who ended up becoming this sort of pet character of this, you know, ancient being. I'd be sort of interested in how that happened. I wouldn't be opposed to the idea of learning about that. I hope that they don't try to explain the uh, ultimate origin of the it creature uh because i think that could be demystifying in a way that is unsatisfying especially from modern tv writers who uh very few of them seem to understand uh you know concepts of mystery and ambiguity yeah and less the, is more. Uh, you know yeah, yeah. i mean, mean now, we just actually randall flag <laughs> that's the ultimate oh, reveal God. 
we just make origin stories for everything now, and I'm not opposed to an origin story, but I, I don't need to know the answers to everything, and often we're better off not knowing the answers to everything. And I think um, this story could be cool. Again, I'm open-minded to it, but if Andy Muschietti is producing, I'm a little bit skeptical. Again, I love, I really like the first It movie, but I think a lot of what I like about it stems to uh, Kerry Fukunaga's script, um, and I, I just fucking despise It Chapter 2. I think it's it's absolutely horrible, and uh, by and large. And um and I can't and I've seen Muschietti's other other movie uh, Ma or whatever it's called. Well, just just hold your breath because the flash fan. the flash is coming out any day now. He's, he, direct, <laughs> he directed that as well, so uh, we'll see what happens. So I don't know. I mean, but of course he's producing, so that doesn't mean that his his fingers will be in it. But and again, I like I like Bill Skarsgård's performance. I'm I'm happy to have him back. I think he's a compelling actor, and I like them in Castle Rock. But if it's the creative team behind Castle Rock, which is not confirmed, but I have an inkling some of those people might be involved because they were also involved in the Shining prequel. Um, I'm a little bit hesitant because I I I liked a lot of parts of the first Castle Rock season, and I really again despised the second season mm. um and i'm not sure i trust uh, that creative team with this material and i guess that's just what's hard because if i if somebody's making this i i i want them not necessarily to be reverent to the material because i think that they're you can you can do such a thing as be too reverent but i just want them to have a vision that honors king's work and i mean if you're chasing current trends which you sort of have to uh, if you're making a TV show these days, one of the things I'll say, Justin, I like about Severance is I feel like it's not chasing trends. No, uh, ben, no, the Ben no. Stiller, so it, it feels like an like it doesn't feel like it's it's it uh, belongs in this era of TV almost, which is one of the things that's cool about it. Um, well, so I, think, I don't know. I guess those are those are my skepticisms, Mike. What, what do you think? Well, I think in terms of trends, I think that's why HBO Max is going for it because I mean, like mm-hmm. I, I do the streaming guide every month. And I see that, you know, it chapter one and chapter two are, you know, they're always there. And that, and that obviously that makes sense for HBO Max just because it's Warner Brothers and yada, yada, yada. They have that partnership. But I think there's a reason why, you know, at, at one point I think it was, it was off the, the streamer and then they brought it back on, which they didn't even announce it. They just brought it back on. And I, it something tells me that, you know, like the box office success for both movies, because look, we can make, you know, all the jokes we want about it chapter two, but it still made a shitload of money. Yeah, and so people money. still liked it. And yeah. so I do think that the IP is still hot, which is why they were probably like, eh, you know, Dr. Sleep didn't do so well. I don't think it makes sense for us to go to the Overlook. This though, people still love it. It gives us a chance to kind of stay with the same crew that we had that's reliable. You know, let's go back and try to do it. My my issue with it is that it's it's like with everything. It's just like, why do we have to explain it? Like me and Mac, like I feel like we we say the same thing every time when anything gets too overexplained. It's just like, you know, it's better to be in the shadows. It's better to leave the monster in the shadows. Don't turn on the light. Like I can't tell you how many times I've said that. And like like you were saying, Randall, like that magic or that that sort of mystery is totally lost on today's day and age. Like, and I don't know if it's just we live in an era where, you know, it's a Reddit culture where everyone has to know everything about anything at mm. once. So like, you know, even in horror, we have to know the, the the mythos, the origin, everything. But like, fuck, like Pennywise is so much better by not knowing anything about him. And like, you know, even the little bits and, you know, the stuff that we get in the book, like even I thought like, eh, it's a little too much. I, I kind of don't want to know anything. Sure. You know, it's so much scarier if you're like, oh, there's this unstoppable being fuck if I know why it's here. Like, that's scarier to me. Like, totally. so, I don't know. But if you could go and tell really cool stories about Ndiri, you know, kind of what they were trying to do with Castle Rock season one, like filling in the blanks, 
because in the end, this is all going to be fan fiction anyway. So you just go and fill in the blanks between the actual yeah, like, fiction a, that's just there. Tell original stories without yeah. sort of you know demystifying what King gave us. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I think you can still do that. And uh, I don't know, because I've been reviewing the dropout on Hulu, which is the Elizabeth Holmes uh, uh, show. And I think it's pretty good. It's entertaining. But my problem with it is, is it, it keeps trying to sort of like uh, understand and provide an origin story of sorts for Elizabeth Holmes, which to me is just is kind of insane because this Reckless. is a woman who is. <laughs> well, she's a she's young. She's aware of her own myth being spun. And she's also a notorious like sociopathic liar. Yeah. So you're and a lot of what they use in the show is stuff that's from her own mouth. And so I but so I guess my I guess why I'm bringing this up is because. I feel like that show is trying to tell this comprehensive story about the rise and fall of Elizabeth Holmes when uh, then there were episodes that I think fed into what I think would be more interesting, which is uh, somebody on the outside, like somebody looking at looking out from uh, the outside onto the myth or the uh, the vision of Elizabeth Holmes as we have come to know her, uh, because we'll never understand who she really is. Like that is a woman who is completely inscrutable. And so I think. It's almost the same way with Pennywise. Don't show me the or or the the it creature. I think don't show me the origin. We're never going to understand this creature. It's better left un, not understood. Show its impact on new characters from the outside. Like yeah. let us see that that or like you know. And again, if we obviously Pennywise has to be part of it because I think that's where a lot of the IP resides. I again, I'm open to the idea of showing us who Bob Gray was like, again, I would rather not have it, but we're going to get it. And I think that that story is not something I'm opposed to, uh, so long as it's well told, you know, but well, again, I just don't know. Well, Justin, you have a welcome to dairy shirt already. Um, so I mean, you're all I, in. I ordered it immediately when I found out about this being put into production. They're already selling merch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin Gerber, number, the number HBO one max store. Uh, you know, I've, they'll have toys that'll spoil the movie. I, uh, I've gone back and forth just hearing you two talk about it in terms of like where I was on it because initially, again, I'm not a huge fan of, of specifically a chapter two. It, I think it, the first of it is still pretty good. I think it's as good as it could be, honestly, in that medium. But I've also said I do think that it is better served as a TV series. So if you present this in a way where it's almost, and I usually hate this too, but it's almost like a soft reboot of it, the yeah. book. So you can maybe have a, a mini, like a through line kind of, but maybe you could have a standalone episode that just follows one of the kids getting killed, like they have in the, yeah. uh, the actual novel, The Creature from Black, the Black Lagoon, the those lost chapters and everything else. I think yeah. that there is something you could do there. Now, this, this sounds smart and possibly creepy, but inevitably they will not do that. They won't. <laughs> I, I've given up on being like, oh, well, maybe they'll do this and that. It's not being pessimistic. It's just being, well, we've been presented... With all this pre-existing IP coming back, is we've all ultimately been disappointed with whatever it is. So, you know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll probably check it out, and we'll see. But I can't say I'm really looking forward to this. To be honest with you, it's not. Yeah. yeah. Jen, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I kind of agree with what everyone's saying. I feel like King himself doesn't even really explain Pennywise well, you know, so I think the strength of Pennywise lies in his mystery, like like we said. I think the thing that I would be interested in is interludes, you know, like not necessarily yeah. the interludes in the book, because I, I think, I, I, I don't know, I just would be really nervous to see some of those put to screen, you know, mm. um, especially with this crew. But I think like, 
I don't know. I was thinking about this with the Fear Street movies, too. Like, I'm really fascinated by all of the monsters that we see that we don't get to know, you know. So it would be interesting to see, like, earlier adaptations of Pennywise. Like, what does he turn into and how does that, like, reflect the fears of, like, the 1930s or, like, the, you know, 1850s or something. Like, I would be really interested in a, like, kind of a period um, interlude season, you know. And maybe there are even, like, another losers club that thinks they kill Pennywise too. Like, which would be kind of like a soft reboot of it only maybe in another time period. Like, I feel like there's a lot you could do with this, but I just don't think they will do anything that is different or new or interesting without trying to like hook back in or like have Cujo like jump out of the shadows. (laughs) I mean, I'm calling you right now. I'm semi joking, but semi serious episode six will end with a character going, wait a minute, Bob Gray had a daughter. I'm, I would not. Would you put it past that happening? No, not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's going to happen, and it's going to be a million fucking connections. Because look again, this is Warner Brothers, and as we and Twitter learned, won't care. Twitter will go on there. I know. Well, they the, love the, the, Castle the, Rock the season two. Twitter is, and they'll have like the meme of somebody going, of Dwight going home <laughs> from the office, and it'll get two thousand re- re- retweets. You know, I mean, people just want. Pennywise. Want, it doesn't matter what the they story want, is. They, they want to be wanna... shown what they they want to be shown the things they recognize. You know? They want yeah. new gifts and new memes. They don't well, care about the story. Uh, we'll, we'll get them. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll still watch it. Whatever. Yeah, it is. we're gonna, oh, gonna oh, have we'll to be, watch it. We'll be covering <laughs> well, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Andy, and come we'll, on the episode. Come, come on the pod I, again. <laughs> I promise you, we will be open minded and ready to love it. Just yeah. listen to our stand episodes if you think that we won't. Oh, yeah. We don't know. try to love these yeah, things. I we agree. do. Yeah. Yeah. And look, yeah. I always do love the, you know, the, the recaps. Like, those are so much fun. I mean, like, the Lisi Story ones, uh, you know, last year, even as dour as the show is, it was still fun covering it week to week. The Stan ones were a blast. It got me through the pandemic and, you know, you know the, the end of the pandemic, really. But, um, you know, we're the Losers Club. So, uh, right. of course, we're going to be covering this. And... Well, I that's am interesting go because, mind. like, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in. No, go, like, go, 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 go. I was not at all looking forward to Lisey's story, and I ended up loving it. So you never know. You I know. know. You know, it could be. It could be you great. I, Lady I, again, it. Well, Maybe I like, it can start fires. T- Bob Gray's daughter is going to show up in the episode. Seven. He, was a ba- <laughs> he was a bastard. He was, a, he was awful to us. All right. Like, well, oh, don't great, great will button. it. You know, yeah. Yeah, sorry if I'm spoiling things here. Right? <laughs> well, I just hope Annie Wilkes makes an appearance and just, you oh, know, please. makes absolutely no sense. Or like Paul, Sh- baby Paul Sheldon's around. He's like, Ooh, I think I'm going to be a writer. Yeah. Maybe an alien can take the guise of, um, you know, George Barton, Barton George Dawes from Real World. Oh, like on the Tommyknocker ship? Yeah, that'd be great. Guard. Good ship, Tommyknocker. But I to be fair, like, Andy Muschietti, I don't know if he's going to be, all, be able to even be involved at all because he's too busy. Um, digitally taking out Ezra Miller, Ezra, Ezra Miller in the Flash. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that's going to work. But um, oh, I know how they f- they solve that in the first five minutes of the uh, you know of the Flash movie, um, because you know we're in the the multiverse era now. Mm. You know, a ripple can open up after they go and meet Keaton's Batman, and then the the Flash from uh, what is that that CDW show can come out and be like, "Hey guys!" And everyone's like, "Well, this guy's pretty cool." And then Ezra Miller just vanishes. <laughs> right that. You know, what they do <laughs> they bring Excuse back me. they bring back my boy John Wesley Ship from the 90, 1990 Flash. Oh wow! Oh, so yeah. Old Flash. Is he know. still alive? He's apparently he shows up as that version on the he CW does. show. Oh fun! Yeah. yeah. Well, how about well, this? They just say, "All real people." That's not real. Real, right. not very nice. <laughs> the only people that are going to go see this that I, I care about are going to people who want to see Michael Keaton as Batman again. Like I don't I give a shit Michael about Keaton. Ezra Miller as the Flash. I don't care. No. 
That Flash from the 90s is going to be like the Wiz from Seinfeld. He's like, they're bringing yeah. me back. <laughs> I'm the Flash. I'm the Flash. <laughs> I'm the Flash. Uh, well, I think we need to flash out of here. Am I right? Um, well, like Pile of the Fury, let's put on some somber 60s tunes and let's wave goodbye to Randy Newman's favorite metropolis. As we make our way down Sunset Boulevard, let's give our constant listeners an update on where we're going next. Jen, what's going on over at uh, Psychoanalysis this month? Uh, well, we just today dropped our part one episode on dreams in Mulholland Drive. And we have a comfort horror episode coming up on Happy Birthday to You and the original Frankenstein, which I actually haven't seen yet. It's great. Um, and then our third, our second episode on dreams is going to be on Nightmare on Elm, Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, which has been a long time since I've seen that, too. So so lots of fun stuff. This is the the Mulholland Drive episode was really fascinating. And, you know, because that movie's incredible. But it was oh, first yeah. watch for me. So half of the episode was like, Laura, what happened? <laughs> Can you explain this? Yeah, it's a very malleable movie in terms of like, you know, drawing some conclusions and themes and stuff too. So, oh, yeah, it was a perfect movie for that topic too. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Justo, what's next for the Halloweenies? Well, um, this comes out tomorrow. This is that this is hot off the press. We're, I'm literally going to edit this and drop it. Wow. So, well, uh, we've actually already recorded our our two episode uh, tribute or coverage on Evil Dead 2. So that's already in the bag. That's going to be coming out in. I've lost track. Is it coming out? It is coming out in April. It's Monday. Yeah, it's supposed to be Good coming out this week. God. Monday, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's coming out in April. We're very excited about our continuing Evil Dead coverage throughout the entire year of Halloweenies. And please check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Halloweenies pod. We cover a lot of non franchise horror. And we do cover a lot of franchise horror, you know, for movies that we probably, or for franchises that we won't necessarily spend an entire year on. Um, and we also have a lot of great commentaries on there as well. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, um, do you want to get fucked? Disclosure. Are we going to do it? We should do a Yeah, you got to do a disclosure. Of. Disclosure yeah. pod? Well, yeah. Pod disclosure? Great... Whole pod make... about disclosure. I'm gonna... God, How about minute, make... one minute by minute of the adaptation of disclosure <laughs> with Demi Moore and Michael Douglas? Go ask, go ask Blake Howard to do it. Uh, I'm sure th- th- that'd be hilarious. It'd that'd be, be pretty like... funny. You know, uh, Randall, tell our constant listeners what they can expect from us next. Uh, we've got a long watch with the the author Gretchen Felker Martin, who wrote The Great Manhunt, which just came out. It's excellent uh, on the Dead Zone. David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone. It's going to be a really fun episode. Uh, we our Firestarter Rekindled episode is out. You can listen to <laughs> sure that is. if you are a patron of our uh, patreon.com slash the barons. That is the losers club Patreon. We've got so much good stuff, including Firestarter rekindled with, uh, my three cohorts on this, as well as Anna Marie Cox. And, uh, it's, 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 it's a really fun episode of a really shitty movie that you don't need to watch to enjoy the episode. Um, and then our book for the month is black house. That is the sequel to the talisman, a very divisive book. I'm excited to revisit it. Um, and then we've got our Dreamcatcher film episode with filmmaker, Jillian W. Horvath, uh, who made a uh, great movie called I Blame Society. And that's a really fun episode. She really makes the case for Dreamcatcher, uh, as the rest of us are a little bit more skeptical. So it is a really, really fun episode. So yeah, uh, lots of good stuff on the uh, Losers, Pl- Losers Club. Uh, Randall, you, know, I, I, yeah. you mentioned Dreamcatcher for that episode, because I, I had asked you if you used the nickname from the book that, that a character named Randall has. Did you use it for the movie? No, I forgot. Uh, well, let's yeah. all say it here. What is it? Here's the excerpt from Dreamcatcher by Stephen King. 
and that was not acceptable. Not after General Yellow Balls Randall had hollowed had hollered blue I gotta exit. use that. How could Yellow you not Balls Randall use is perfect, on, yeah. uh, you? You were on two Dreamcatcher episodes, I know, I and you did that. not use the Yellow Balls Randall reference in the book Dreamcatcher. I cannot believe this happened. Can't believe. I will it. use it in the future because there is no more accurate way to describe my balls. <laughs> oh my balls. god! Well, YBRR. Yellow balls, rockin' Randall. YBR. Rockin' yellow balls. <laughs> rockin' balls. Rockin' uh, Mike, balls. Mike, take us out. Uh, well, it's good to know that we got another hit month ahead of us. Uh, so, uh, but uh, look, you know, shit happens, and we're always going to be behind the mic. So keep your eyes peeled on our socials. Shit Facebook. happens. You know, it does. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a trailer for uh, Salem's Lot or Welcome to Dairy, a teaser or some shit like that. Um, you never know. That's why you got to follow us, Losers Club Pod on. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also join our Patreon. As uh, Randall said, www.patreon.com slash the Barons. We have so much content and an exclusive Discord community, which is 24-7. People are always on there. Constant listeners mm-hmm. and constant readers like you. Uh, bottom line, there are countless ways to connect with your favorite, your devoted, your only Losers Club. Either way, we'll be seeing you over long days. And, and pleasant. Nice. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. I got some hot friends. God, I got some hot friends. But you know you want somebody to treat you good. This is the end of our show. For now. We hope you enjoyed this production. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more.